history is soft. It doesn't take much to leave a deep mark. Sometimes these marks come about by sheer chance. 112 years ago, a predator walked the streets of Stageport. A human predator, the worst kind. Their mark was left not by their own deeds, thoughts, or feelings, but by the scars they left on others. Those scars, given time, took form. Now they seek to inflict similar scars on history, and will leave a deeper mark unless brought to an end. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm Kat. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. I'm the game master. I'm the game master. You are. That's the thing that you are. You're the master of the game that we are playing, and you're master of the game Heroic Chord, because you're actively developing it. This is true. With me today, helping. Big helping. I I need to be less less lethargic. (laughs) Okay. So with me today, we have Kirsten. Hi! We have Kathleen. Hi! And we have Nick. Hi, I'm here too. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party got to know the Albatross Legion, the protectors of at least the dockside portion of Stageport, and began investigating the Shadow Man, a horror that has been prowling the undercity of Stageport. They met Stephen and Lily again. Mm-hmm. And the two of them agreed to help out in the hunt for this horror. And we open up in the headquarters of the Aurora Legion, gathered around Chela Gaius Riche's map of the Undercity. We have the Albatross Legion, Caldas pacing restlessly as usual. Marcus is still in a sling. He's standing nearby. He loves maps, I guess. Didn't seem to want to be left out of this despite his injury. Secret cartography nerd. <laughs> I think he's a secret everything nerd. Wolfa is excitedly leaned over the desk. Lily is seated in the corner, not really seeming to pay much attention. Stephen is seated nearby, watching everybody have their little congress. And... Archknight Gaius Riche is standing with both hands firmly on her desk. It is evening. There is a reddish stream of late afternoon sunlight. Some of the last stage port is going to see until night falls. And the Shadow Man comes out. Uh, Penelope is kind of uh, looking, trying to peek at the map. She actually is going to... See, would understanding navigation allow her to kind of put a little mm-hmm. bit of it to memory? Absolutely. All right. She's actually paying attention. Two successes. Yay. Yay, Penelope. Very good. What a good Penelope we have today. Chilla is dressed in her armor from the north with a long bastard sword slung across her back. Her long hair is bound up in a severe-looking ponytail. And she looks around the room and clears her throat and for at least a moment stops slouching and gets arch-nighty about it. All right. So we have got four areas where this horror shows up. We have this area here near the orphanage. 
that's where I'm going to be going with these two. And she points to Lily and Stephen. Stephen gives a little salute and Lily doesn't acknowledge. Caldez raises his hand. I've got info on the market area, so Wolf and I are going there. Marcus nods but says nothing. And then she turns to look at the three of you. She says, there have been sightings in two other places. The old factory district and the docks. What else do we know about this thing? Is it Does it seem to pick particular people? Does it go after the young? Does it go after the old? I think it is just prowling for people who are in the Undercity after dark. Mm. Does it prowl on loners or does it not care? Will it go after groups? It has been seen once by a group. Most of the time it's people on their own. Mm. Mm. Cobb is going to then make a sensitivity humanity roll to try and figure out... If he's thinking if this was, like, a human, because, you know, Cobb is familiar with more than 'er ne'er-do-wells, shall we say. He's going to use a sensitivity humanity role to kind of try and pinpoint if this thing is actively, like, going after people where it might have good hunting grounds. I might actually say that one is uh, understanding humanity. Hmm. If it were in front of you, I'd say sensitivity. Okay. And we will do understanding humanity then. Yeah. And ooh, one success, one edge success. Um. I think Cobb is working real hard here, so he's probably going to take that edge success. He's he's thinking he's using the brain meat. He's he's working real hard on using his noggin. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't use his noggin that much unless he's headbutting people. <laughs> We're singing, I guess, technically, but that's more of your chest. Yeah, that's a diaphragm thing, yeah. That's definitely in the pipes, not necessarily in the skull. Although that's not to understate the importance of, like, the nasal passages in giving a voice its particular resonance. Very true. But but we'll say that Cobb doesn't then use uh, the upper, upper deck, shall we say. Yeah, I, I can't comment on this without it being a 10-minute digression, so. Okay, <laughs> this was the conversational equivalent of just, like, the free bird seed pile and the box with the stick and the string. Just, uh, like, I, laying a Kathleen trap. Yeah, that was my fault. I kind of knew that if I brought up singing, we would do this. But anyways, Cobb got one success, one edge success on understanding humanity to find out where this thing might hunt people or where it might be hunting, specifically, like, today. If it's actively on the hunt for people, the docks are probably a better place to go hunting because that's where, first of all, there's a lot more people. And second of all, that's where strangers to the city would be. So if it was somebody actually on the hunt for someone, the docks are more likely. Yeah, Cobb then kind of like strokes his goatee for a little bit and says, if I were going to be running around looking to shank somebody... I would probably do it at the docks. Now, some of this is bias. I know my way around the docks. But I think, if nothing else, I should probably stake out the docks a little bit to see if see if I can't find anything. I've, uh... I haven't done this a lot, but I have definitely snuck around a dock or two in my day. Cobb says, while, like, slowly shifting and trying to call attention away from the fact that he's, like, six foot four... And is very bad at sneaking. So bad at sneaking. I think our whole party is like the non-sneak party. You think? What is sneaking? 
we just kind of show up and we're like, hey, yeah, we're here, but that's okay. But on the plus side, that does mean Cobb is very good at uh, sticking out from a crowd. Actually, he kind of turns around and goes, wait, how big was this thing supposed to be again? If it, it might not want to go after me. Like, no offense, everybody, but, you know, and Cobb just kind of like looks down on everyone. <laughs> I mean, horror is just kind of like hate things or lash out at things. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. this is like targeted is not. Yeah. Chilas just kind of blinks at Cobb. Like she's significantly shorter than Cobb and does not appear to give a single shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cobb is mostly just being like, hey, look, maybe it's af- afraid of me. Okay, upon saying it out loud, I realize it sounds very silly, but believe me, I rolled an edge success. <laughs> you did roll an edge success, yeah. And I think the edge success consequence is what we're experiencing here, is that everyone in the room looks at Cobb like he's fucking bananas. Marcus, like, cradles his temples and shakes his head. <laughs> um, Kat, I've got a mechanical question. Ether tie allows me to know the condition of a thing that I have ether tied. Yes. What does condition mean in this circumstance? Could it potentially mean is currently being ambushed by a big scary monster? Is that a condition? I think um, frightened or in pain would be conditions that would come across. Okay. So like what they're doing, not necessarily, but the effect that what they're doing is having on them, yes. Because of this horror doesn't want to attack groups and we have to split up to draw its attention, maybe I can finally successfully use either tie? Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. And so Tissa says something to the effect of I don't do we need to be alone for it to attack us though? Well, if it is a hunter, my guess is it's probably well, you got you gotta use bait to, to draw it out. Chill mm. shrugs. Uh horror behavior is not usually that uh complex. I am tempted to continue to weird it out with Cobb here, but I don't think I rolled that many edge successes. No, it's fine. Cobb's still weird. Don't you don't need to like you know, he he can be weird. Let your freak flag fly, as they would say in yeah. the nineties. This is true. That's exactly what they would say in the 90s. Okay, here's three successes from Understanding Spirits from Tissa. Okay. Specifically, it's Cobb got a sense of docs. Can we... Um, I guess I'm thinking, like, what does our search pattern look like? Or can this... Or rather, I would like to create... My head is not there. I'm not saying words in ways that form sentences. You're so, not putting them in the usual order. Yeah. I, I think I kind of, and, you know, if I go way off course here, you know, interrupt me. Mm. But I think it's, I think it sounds like you're getting at, you know, um, we should come up with a, like, a route that, say, for instance, um, Cobb will lay out that he is going to walk, like, along a certain part of the docks you know, try and kind of go out of his way to be a little, like, purposefully unsafe. Um, You know, maybe hit a couple of back alleys that he doesn't need to, like that sort of thing, and have Penelope and Tissa as a tail using Tissa's uh, ether tie to make sure that if Cobb does get jumped, that they they, they can go find him very quickly and we can beat the crap out of this thing. I mean, that sounds 
That sounds like a, a good plan. Cultus gives kind of a low whistle, just like a ooh. Cultus, what's what's your thoughts? The problem is that it's everything is really big. There's just so much space. Hmm. Well, our plan is just to keep moving. I'm gonna be in touch with you guys if we spot anybody. I don't know. Bait sounds a little tricky, though, doesn't it? What I. I'd like to think that I'm rather enticing, at least. Even if it is just to get shanked. Marcus is still making that face. He hasn't stopped making that face since last time. It's just still happening. Look, I I think it's a good plan. The giant monster isn't going to be dissuaded from the fact that I'm a great big guy. But, you know, maybe other folks out there, you know, don't want to mess with me. Just saying. I'm probably not going to get, you know, like, mugged. No, there is that. I am wearing a sword. At this point, Cobb is wearing, like, three swords, but... Yeah. (laughs) Chella kind of takes a deep breath. Every group has got their own discretion as to how they want to go about this. Mm. Do what you can to contact the other groups if you make contact. Make sure you can get back up. Let's see. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure it needed to be said out loud, but... We're leaving you here, Commander. Marcus kind of glares at her, but says nothing. That's okay, Marcus. We'll save you a piece. My room's not that broken. What's What do you mean by that broken? Is there like a partially broken, Marcus, or? He's trying to be tough. Ignore him. I mean, it's still attached. Mm, I see. I see. He doesn't like to feel like he's useless. Just kind of goes back to making that face and called the shrugs. Yeah. No, the boss is right. Wolf and I will take care of business, and we'll give you guys a call if we need you. Yeah, most of my info is about the market, so we're going to be chasing up some leads there. And after all, I know my way around the docks, and I've got two great trustworthy spotters on my back. And Cobb kind of, like, gives a big pat on the back to both Tissa and Penelope at the same time and shoots them a great big goofy smile. Right before Tissa gets tapped, she's looking around the room for half a second and sort of is coming to the realization that, oh... Oh, she is being relied on, and then kind of goes like, oof. (laughs) Everybody's got their orders? Mm. All right. Are we still using memory points in this arc campaign thing? Okay, great. Then I'm just going to keep on passing out ether ties like candy. Good. Very good. So I assume you're putting one on Mr. Cobb because of his audacious plan. One on Mr. Cobb, one on, I don't know, Caldus, and one on Sheila, maybe? Alrighty. So that's going to uh, let you know if any of them make contact. Mm-hmm. And if they do make contact, hopefully, I mean, it's the middle of a city, so the route isn't going to be easy, but at least knowing the right direction. Yeah, exactly. So with that, everybody splits up. Uh, Chila, Lily, and Steven head back toward the orphanage. And Kaltas and Wolfa begin making their way to the market. And Team Strike Team Fist makes its way to the docks. <laughs> I haven't um, forgotten. <laughs> All right. We are in the undercity of Stageport, near the docks in an area that used to be made up of warehouses and 
is still kind of dominated by large, square, unremarkable buildings, even here in the, in the Undercity. Everything is large and square. The few rays of light that make it down into the Undercity from above are at first golden and then faintly blue and then just a weak watery silver as the remaining daylight is swallowed up by dusk and replaced with the light of an indifferent moon. Everything in the Undercity smells damp. The air is thick, especially here so close to the sea. The salt smell somehow seems to echo in this small space. There are lichen everywhere in this particularly damp portion of the Undercity, blossoming like big silver flowers on every surface they can find. And my next question is, what kind of rules is party make? The time has come to enact Operation Strike Force Fist. As we're going down, Penelope's going to make a discovery roll. She's going to see if she can find something useful. So, understanding. Uh, that would be adaptability, actually. Oh, oops, sorry, I got that. Understanding is something relevant. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's, something relevant. One success. The horror that you're hunting is referred to colloquially by the people of Stageport as the Shadow Man. And one thing you notice now that the moonlight is filtering down into the Undercity, the shadows here are stark. There are areas around you that are pitch black, hidden by the angles of the corners of half-submerged buildings or old, long-forgotten passages in the Undercity. But there are black shadows down here, completely impenetrable ones. And the area you're in right now probably used to be above ground, some kind of square or what have you. There's a circle of blocks that looks like could have been a fountain once upon a time. But there's light filtering down into here that it doesn't reach all the way to the corners, but it does reach most of this square. Hmm, okay. So there are some areas that are not well lit. Some are kind of lit by the moonlight. Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming Cobb has a lantern. Cobb always has a lantern. Cobb always has a lantern. I thought it was a safe assumption to make. (laughs) Cobb also, however, is going to make an, I think, adaptability tracking goal. He is going to kind of like take a, a meandering path around, um, To kind of stick out a little bit, but also to try and keep his back to known areas, like don't turn his back on places where the lamplight doesn't get too much. Like always make sure that he knows like whatever is behind him is solid. Now, I mean, this thing might be able to come out of the walls at him, but he's going to, you know, he's going to hedge his bets. Okay. Uh, Two edge successes. Whoa. If you keep the edge successes you will discover a trace of this horror, but you will not be staying in the light as you do so. I will absolutely take that. That sounds like the kind of act first, think later thing that Cobb would do in a situation like this. Okay, great. So, Cobb, you hear a voice. Sounds like a young woman or perhaps an older child. And you you hear somebody calling out for help from around the corner. Cobb kind of, like, picks up the pace a little bit, turns the corner, and holds the lantern out. 
Hello? Is anyone there? Hello? And I would like you to roll me adaptability athletics, please. We can do that. Uh, Cobb is good at being spry. Well, we'll see how good he's at being he is at being spry here, assuming I roll well. One success, three edge successes. Cobb is riding the razor's edge today. Okay. For every edge success you keep, I'm going to make you take damage. But I won't do the other thing. <laughs> mm. Um... That sounds will, ominous. Um, I will keep two of them then. Okay. So what happens is the voice that you heard is suddenly cut short. And bands of darkness kind of unravel from the pitch blackness around you. And like the snapping of a tape measure, you know, the metal ones. Mm-hmm. They just kind of wrap around Cobb, including his face and eyes especially, and attempt to restrain him. Now, keeping two edge successes, you beat the horror, you manage to escape, but the edge of these bands of darkness does cut at you. And uh, I don't know how close Tissa and Penelope are, but Tissa can tell that Cobb just got hurt. Cobb kind of like, as he's pulling back, he sort of, he draws his sword and tries to like cut the, the bands off of him. Or whatever that will do. Just take an aggressive posture. How, by, how, by the way, how much damage does Cobb take? Uh, two. Just two. That sounds like a daring athletics to rush to the scene of the action. Two successes. Yeah. You make it to Cobb in time to watch him just, like, shoving these dark strips away from himself. Bands of darkness have reached out from one of the corners of this blind alley to grab Adam. Cobb kind of like brushes some of the like blood on his face off. I think I found our friend, everybody. Yeah, looks like the friend found you too. You okay? I'll be fine. Is it still there? I think it is. And Cobb holds up his lantern and sort of points his sword at the darkness. It... And. As the darkness in the corner is illuminated by the lantern, the lantern drives away most of it, but not all. What's left is the outline of a person, about cub size, but hazy and smoky. It seems to have definite volume and a definite presence, but its outline is a blur. And I guess it's time for a adaptability tactics rules. It is. Let us fight the horrible shadow man. Time to fight the shadow man. Shadow fights. 15. 18. 17 for Cobb. The first act is the shadow man. Oh, actually, before, what are the words in this place? The words in this place are dark, fallen, abandoned, and pathway. Those are suitably spooky words. Spooky town. We are in spooky town. We are in spooky town. We are fighting the mayor of spooky town. Yep. The duly elected, democratically elected mayor of spooky town. I didn't vote for him. Not my mayor. Not mine. This is a mutiny. I don't think you can mutiny against your mayor, but I'm going to do it anyways. Cuff can mutiny anytime he wants. Cobb can have a little mutiny as a treat. 
but right now it is Spooky Man's turn to have a little violence as a treat. Or at least I'm assuming he might be nice. I don't think he is, but I mean, he did try and stab me in the eyes. So, I mean, we're, we're off to a really bad start. Mm. So what the Shadowman does is blurs more at the edges. The outline now looks like smoke pouring off of a fire and twisting into the air. And the corner in which the figure was crouched when you lifted your lantern is now swollen with darkness. The, the lantern is not penetrating. Not a fan of that. The next person I'm causing to act is Tissa. Huh. Well, it doesn't look very substantial, but believe me, it cuts like it is. I would like to cast Finding Dark. And I would like Finding Dark to make it easier for the party to assault this shadowman. I'm gonna, I've got three options for you here. For two scatter, it will make it so that uh, your weapons will be able to find the shadowman even if your eyes cannot. For four scatter, the shadowman's darkness will be dispelled. For six scatter, the darkness will be dispelled and the Shadowman will be unable to use this ability again for, I mean, at least three rounds. Pretty big scatter investment. Let's start conservative with two, because I think that's probably what I had in mind. Okay. Tell me about Finding Dark. What is the what is the visual or physical effect of Finding Dark? Finding Darkness is an empathetic kind of feeling. There is some sort of sense that we are all sharing information with each other. Tissa can feel a little bit of the way that Cobb felt about the attack, or Penelope might be able to sense where Tissa's weapon went and what happened if Tissa were to attack and that sort of thing. Alrighty. Let's see... I'm going to roll a dice to figure out who is receiving this. And I would then like Penelope to roll me Adaptability Athletics, please. That is not a good roll. (laughs) One success, one edge. That is not going to do the trick. So these bands emerge from the darkness and wrap themselves around Penelope and just grab her around the shoulders, pinning her arms to her side. At least one of them is over her face, covering her eyes. And she's pinned back against one of the walls in the area. And this thing is surprisingly strong. Do I take any damage or I'm just pinned? Uh, Cobb taking damage was an edge success bargain. Is it, uh, is it my turn? Remember, you can act anytime. Cobb is is going to interrupt Penelope and the GM to try and cut at these things that are holding Penelope. Oh, no, you don't. And he, he, he makes a great big, like, slashing cut at the... Actually, are the bands, like, still connected to the sort of, like, piece on the floor, or are they more just like it is fired, like, big staples at her? They're not connected to the piece in the corner. They're connected to the wall. They seem to reach out of the wall and pull her back into it. Okay, Cobb is going to then try and cut the tendrils as they head back to the wall. See if he can do it, or if maybe using a knife on a shadow is a bad idea, but he is being magically powered 
right now. Mm-hmm. Comp rolled really well. Four successes, two edge successes. Nice. That is definitely going to hit. How many edge successes was that? Two. I mean, you're going to hit it and deal damage either way. If you keep those two edge successes, those are going to deal even further damage, but it's going to cost Penelope our turn this round. Uh, no, we're, we're, we want Penelope out of here. I will, I will just take the four. Okay. Um, sorry, am I still, uh, pinned or? Um, no, Cub has set Cub has set you free. Okay. It grabbed you and was pulling you backward, but before it could actually pin you to the wall, Cobb had sliced it quite grievously. All right. Um, so Penelope is going to actually imbue her dagger with something. I'm thinking of adding a spell called Restoring Abandoned. And what I was thinking is that horrors are a creation that has kind of lost its humanity, right? Mm-hmm. So it would kind of be a reminder of, like, humanity um, uh, and that kind of thing. And I guess my thought mechanically is that it would cause scatter damage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Scatter damage is horror. How much? You know what? One for one. Okay. You know what? Let's go four. Okay. Big knife. It screams. And the scream is... Kind of like the voice Cobb heard pulling him toward this area. It's like a high-pitched shriek. Hmm. It's time for a new round, which means if none of you have any ideas, it's Shadowman time. Actually, before Shadowman goes, Cobb is going to press the attack and, like, one, get in the way of it, and two, like, poke it in its big shadow cluster. Okay. Two successes and three edge successes. Cobb loves the edge um, successes today. Yeah, Cobb is, again, Cobb is riding the razor's edge. <laughs> I think this is going to be, you're going to deal extra damage at the cost of leaving yourself open. I think I'm going to give it an additional die on an attack against you for every one of these that you keep. I will keep two. You know. So that's a total of four? That's a total of four successes. Okay. Cobb's being a little reckless because he doesn't want it to, like, stab his friends. Penelope's actually going to jump in. Okay. She has one more idea. Restoring dark. Uh, make it harder for the Shadowmen to see us. To attack us. So you're talking about just like putting shadows around y'all? Yeah. Well, maybe not like a physical shadow, but more like a uh, mental shadow. Does that make sense? Uh, like a- so, so what you're saying, Kirsten, is that we are adopting the darkness the way that... The uh, horror was born in the darkness? Yeah, or like, so we can make ourselves become kind of fuzzy for it, so it can't. No, no, keep going, Kirsten. You ignore Cap. No, I'm, I'm responding to Kathleen, <laughs> who has just done a big old nick. Okay, so... I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this one, bud. It is a darkness. I oh, actually, okay. Yeah, it's a darkness monster, and I think trying to use the piece dark to make it harder to hit you guys is not really gonna work. Mm. And I don't want to make you spend scatter for something that's going to help it, because yeah. that would be cruelty, cruelty of the highest order. You know what? I'm just gonna try to hurt it then. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm gonna cast Dark Arrow. <laughs> I, it crossed my mind, actually. <laughs> How do you know? Cat is just psychic. She's just that good. <laughs> um, Penelope got five successes and two life successes. Oh wow! Penelope is going in. Daring long range. Yeah. How many edge successes? Two. Five success, two edge. That's a roll. Yeah. Daring long range, I think, is one of her best things. That's extremely cruel. <laughs> uh, I think if you keep these edge successes, like, I'm going to give you the same offer I gave Nick. It's going to gain dice on a roll against its next target. I'll just take the five. I'm pretty satisfied. That's still a bunch. Well, he's playing it close to the vest. <laughs> Okay, so Shadowman turn. Shadowman turn. Let's see, what is the Shadowman roll to attack? Uh, this many. A bunch plus two. Yes, a bunch plus two. Well, that's some successes. Hopefully not too many. Well, not too many successes. But it is going to deal a total of three damage. It's going to lash out. Cobb is entirely aware of where it is because he did just strike it, but... It attacks the back of his shoulder as if attempting full-on ambush. Then according to my list, it's Tizzle time. Yeah. So I'm trying to decide whether I want to just press the attack or if Tissa is trying to reduce damage done. But since we've been rolling good, maybe I should just be test. Maybe we should just be pressing the attack. So I think I'm going to do that. Okay. Three successes and two edge successes. Three successes and two edge successes. If you keep these edge successes, I am not going to make it roll for the next thing it's going to do. Let's let's uh, hit the HP threshold so that we begin phase two. I have way too many video games. I need you. <laughs> Look, big numbers, big deeps. Big numbers, big numbers. So how big were the numbers? There were three successes and two edge successes. So five. So five. Okay. Plus another one because it's a mid-ranged weapon. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. And then whatever it was from the initial spell that was cast to make it easier to hit. Yep. Um, What I've done for that is I've negated it being harder to hit. Because it is in darkness right now. Right, right. Speaking of it being in darkness, as Tissa's spear plunges into the shadow, it lets out another one of those screams. A desperate, terrified sounding, very human howl. And the shadow in the corner seems to shrink. Shrinks backward against the wall. And in one sudden movement, darts past you into the rest of the Undercity. Uh oh. <sighs> oh no, you don't. Come on, we gotta go after that thing. That sounds like daring tracking. That sounds like daring tracking. Is the is the weird like, I guess, projection of the of the shadowy figure still there, or did it leave with the with, when the blob left? It left when the blob left. Lefted. <clears throat> Leaved. In that case, then, uh, Cobb is going to daring some tracking. We gotta stop this thing before it goes and bites someone else. Mm-hmm. Tissa got one success and one edge success on her roll. Okay. Cobb also got one success and one edge success. That was a pretty bad roll there, Cobb. He's not he's not stabbing things, so he's we'll we'll say he's a little preoccupied with the shoulder wound. 
Come on, Penelope, this way. Yeah, no, Penelope's going to follow. Okay. So two successes will give you, well, a success and an edge. But that's not quite going to cut it. It's going to cut it enough to give you a direction, which is inward toward the rest of the city. Okay. And every now and again, you hear it wailing, but it's difficult to get a definite view of its path. Penelope has a lot of this map of the Undercity committed to memory. And so it's, despite Penelope not being the one doing the tracking, Penelope is the one who knows which corner goes where. Mm -hmm. But slowly that keening wail dies off into the distance. And you're left in silence and darkness. And before we go on to next session, Tissa, your ether tie... Caldas is deeply upset and extremely angry. Oh. Uh. And that's gonna set us up for memory time. This week on Memory Time, I I liked our little scene that we got before we went and fought the Shadow Man. I also, as a player, really like the Shadow Man, but even though I hate it. Shadow Man's a, a cool <laughs> horror. Shadow Man doesn't like you. I don't like, this is, I think, this is a good horror. I like, I like the Shadow Man. Oh, I'm glad. The sort of, like, coming out of the walls shadow monster is really nice. It It's a good type of creepy that, like, generally works for me. Yeah, I just, I really like the fact that the Shadow Man is this, like, weird little like, almost cowering creature that projects a big, scary image. Like, even if we didn't get the the bit of the, the intro, I think the Shadow Man itself tells a very good story about where it comes from and what it, and where it, like... I guess not who it was, but sort of, like, who created it and how they created it. Yay, I'm glad. And what, what, what about you, Kirsten? Um, yeah, I, I think actually that that was was my favorite, was this is, this is really cool uh, horror... Um, just brings to mind a very vivid, um, you know, idea, very sort of something you'd picture when you're kind of like half waking up in your room as a child in, in the, in the shadows kind of thing. Right. It's got a really creepy vibe. It's got a little bit of the sleep paralysis demon going on there. There's a little bit of the sleep paralysis demon occurring in there. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for your nice memories. Nice memories of Spooky. I feel their power. I need memories to live. Send in your memories, audience. We can't have Cat die. She's the GM. She. How will the game continue? <laughs> you can keep me alive by sending your memories using the email form at sortofsymphonies.com or by contacting us on Twitter at PeachGardenRPGs. And while we are recording this, it's uh, everybody has to stay inside time. So you know what's... You we can do when you stay inside. Listen to us. We'll be there as mm -hmm. your friends, and then you know, let us know how you're feeling. We'll be there and try and cheer you up as best we can. Hang in there, everybody. Stay safe and stay healthy. Take care, everyone. Yeah, and we'll see you next week.